Welcome to the Unaccepted Podcast, the podcast for car enthusiasts and anime fans. I'm your host, Tony. And I'm Manny. And uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit today. Uh, we are going to be doing in a, well, a live action review. Not an anime review, but live action, right? Live action. Okay. Yeah, so we'll be doing that at the tail end of this one, and we'll just get all the headlines and whatnots out of the way in the beginning. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. But uh, first, Manny, you went to Disneyland. How the hell did you know? I mean, you post it, so. Oh, shit, yes. It's on the interwebs. They're on to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, it's been more than 15 years since I've been there. Yeah? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you never really seemed super interested in ever going. That's why I was kind of surprised when you started posting that you were out there. Uh, I mean, the only interest I had in actually going to Disneyland is if it was like maybe a date. But I was just going to wait for that to happen and then actually go. But You can't wait forever, Manny. I know. <laughs> Actually, low-key, when I saw your story, I told uh, I told Sida that. She's like, is he on a date? <laughs> <laughs> Sad turtle. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, have a, I have family that works at the Disney Hotel, so they get tickets and everything, and they can bring people. And so they've been, they've been pestering me. Well, not pestering, but they've been um, trying to convince, or, uh, convince me to go with them. For the longest time, but every time they they want to go, it's always a weekday, and I can't do that because of work. Yeah, and weekdays are the best days to go because of the crowd. Yes, but to be honest, the the crowd wasn't that too bad. No, not that bad. Not that bad from what I remember as a little kid. Oh, all right. Uh, mainly because with like the new COVID restrictions and everything, you actually have to reserve the day, and they they cap it. Oh, that's actually kind of nice. So you can't just like go unannounced and try to buy a ticket. They won't let you. Yeah, and I'm sure they have some kind of agreement with the, I don't know, maybe the city or whatever. City, fire marshals, and everything else. Yeah, something like that for allowing them to open back up as long as they cap it at X amount. Yeah, and in order to cap it uh, as well, it comes into play the part where you have to reserve the tickets. Nice. Okay, that's different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, uh, we went to California Adventures first, and then uh, pretty much the whole day, and then late afternoon and night was just till midnight was just all Disneyland. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Cool. The majority of the time, though, in California Adventures, I was drunk. Yep, they do got beer stands. <laughs> uh, I was lit. <laughs> Expensive lit. Yeah, yeah, that definitely does get pricey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, probably the probably the most interesting though was even before we got to Disneyland. So we went to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle um, in Anaheim, and across the street was a Carl's Jr. And this was like around nine a.m. and we're waiting for our table, and next thing you know, all of a sudden this truck. It was just speeding down the road. Light turned red. He slammed so hard on his brakes because he had traffic in front of them that actually stopped for the red light. And so he wasn't going to make it time because if he if he didn't swerve out of the way, instant collision. And because he swerved out of the way, he spun out, went right towards a palm tree. And I don't know if you know about palm trees. They really don't break. They bend. Okay. 
So I don't know if you've seen like <clears throat> videos of like heavy tropical storms where there's uh, palm trees in the videos and all they do is just, it, they look like they're horizontal at this point because the wind is just pushing them so hard. Yet they are not actually ripping out of the ground or breaking. Okay. Like, yeah, how, yeah, you, yeah. like how you would see from other trees and everything. So the tree basically became a ramp for the truck and he went flying into the Carl's Jr. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So he tried to avoid one bad thing, but ended up worse. I don't know about worse. I mean, he got his own drive through Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> So what is what is worse, though, actually? Hitting the car at a higher speed or running through a fucking restaurant? It, it was a pun, Tony. I understand. I'm just asking. God damn it. Because, <laughs> I mean, technically, even though it's probably more expensive to run to a restaurant, probably less chance of getting hurt. True. And, well, you also got the liability of injuring other people and other cars. Yeah, I was thinking selfishly just myself. <laughs> <laughs> this man. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, from what it looks like, I mean, like most fast food restaurants, they still don't. In most, uh, I know there's some that are letting them now do this, but uh, most are still not doing dine-in. You can still walk into place and order, uh, because before it was always just only drive-through only. So, yeah, so I've kind of grown accustomed to eating at home. It's and just ordering food delivered. It's been nice. <laughs> I mean, I eat at home at all the time. I just not the order part. Yeah, well, I mean both, but. Just uh, what I mean is like basically even when we order go to restaurants, we're taking it to go now. Oh yeah, I've I don't know. I'm used to it now. I kind of like it. I don't care for going back into restaurants anymore. <laughs> this man, uh, but no, I mean like I think that's just the good part and the benefit that there was nobody in the dining area that the truck could have hit. So he got the better deal. Uh, better deal that he didn't murder anybody. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, I'm glad you guys weren't in there. Oh, yeah. Very cool. But yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it for my Saturday. Um, it was, honestly, I enjoyed it. I mean, regardless if I haven't been there in quite some time and I still didn't have, like, this semi-interest semi to go back or not, uh, regardless, I enjoyed it. Well, glad to hear, Manny. Um, I actually tried a new place to do some bite work. Where at? Uh, in Feeland. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. How hot was it? Uh, it was in the evening, so it wasn't bad at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it didn't start till like 6 o'clock. Mm. And I guess technically from where I was going in San Diego, it's only like a 20-minute difference. But how was the Cajon Pass? Was it like traffic or was it nice? No, there wasn't. I mean, it wasn't wide open, but there wasn't a lot of traffic. Okay. So it really wasn't that bad of a drive. But uh, it's a decoy that I kind of already knew of, I guess. So I knew of him when he was working with a trainer down here in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of... You know, I had him on social media, and I saw that he was traveling all over the country taking different classes and getting other certifications. And he decided to open up his own thing. Oh, okay. 
So my normal place in San Diego, you know, they're great. They have, but they have been exploding with business. Ooh, yeah, like it's insane how quickly and how big his business has grown now. Which is great. I'm super happy for them, but it's made it very, very difficult to get quality training done over there. Yeah, that's that's the issue because he's got to pump out all the clients and everything. Yeah, yeah. So like when we when I started going there, I was working with the main guy, the the legend, you know, the mm-hmm. legend that started this business, and he's just in his own right, kind of like his own legend in the community, you know. So the training I got directly from him was A plus 100% top notch, you know? Mm -hmm. Eventually, he got super busy. He needed help. He hired help and started training help, which was fine because he was there supervising, you know? And then eventually, he got busy to the point where he wasn't supervising as much. Mm. And, you know, the guys are just, they're not as experienced, but they're learning. They're fine. They're, you know, they're getting it, you know? But obviously, it's not the same as training with the guru, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And then, on top of that, like I said, just growth and growth and growth. A ton of different events, a ton of different sports utilizing his facility. He's doing a ton of training seminars for other trainers, like... He's just been exploding massively Mm. to the point where even those days with his uh, apprentices, basically, right, has become, you know, every other week, every two weeks getting canceled. Ooh. And then on top of that, I've been going to Arkansas. I've been doing, you know, other stuff that kept me busy as well. So I got to keep, you know, just like just like with anything, you got to keep on it. You know, I got to keep back and getting getting Coro into his training. So, yeah. I decided to try out this guy up here, and he did fucking great. Nice. I was super happy. So I am a, I am still going to try to go to San Diego when I could here and there, but I'm 100% going back to this guy in Feeland. Nice. Like, he did a great, great job. And uh, we have some buddies up there, so maybe I'll just head out early and hang out for a bit. Send the invite. Got you. <laughs> So, I tried him out. He did fucking great, dude. I finally kind of uh, got a bit more of a grasp on something. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to try to relate this a little bit to cars. So, tell me what you think. Now, like with anything, you have to practice, right? Practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. All that good stuff, right? Yeah. But there's also attitude, right? <clears throat> so attitude your you know your state of mind and your confidence going into something really affects how you actually perform right so on the car side i usually feel a little bit i'm usually a little bit reserved when i first get out there but as soon as i kind of get going i get pretty confident and and i get like in my head where i'm like all right i fucking got this let's fucking go you know even though there's a couple parts that still kind of reserve me back a little bit. Now, big difference is is that when I'm in uh, at the track, I'm by myself. Okay. Essentially, right? You're in your car. There's nobody around, right? So I feel super comfortable. And there was something that was pointed out to me 
on my dog training hobby that I think is going to be really hard for me to do. Is it? Oh, I wouldn't know. Basically, it's being a little bit more animated. Animated? Animated. So You're not a full-on weeb. What the fuck? <laughs> so, okay. So, like, obviously here we can record. There's no being shy because obviously we're broadcasting whatever. But it's different because we're recording here. We're not in front of everybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? On the track... There's a little bit more of that because obviously you're identified by your car and everything like that. Yes. But when you're actually in the action, you're in your car. Yes. You know, you're not really having direct eyeballs on you. It's it's a little bit different. So I feel really comfortable to get that confidence and go out there, right? When you're doing the dog stuff, you can't have a ton of dogs on the field at once. No. That's it's it's a recipe for disaster. One at a time, basically. And everybody's staring at you while you're up there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just the way my personality is, I walk out there with my dog, and I do get a little bit more serious than I normally am. And I think people who know me in real life know that I'm, for the most part, kind of quiet out in public. Not really. Kind of. (laughs) With strangers, you know what I mean? Like, where I don't know anybody, you know what I mean? So... Because I'm a little bit more reserved, I'm not being as animated, happy, wild, high-pitched voices or some shit like that (laughs) with the dog. You know what I mean? And they said that it's going to affect me how he responds into learning. Yeah, that's going to be rough for me, dude. (laughs) That's going to be a really rough hurdle for me to actually like, kind of do that. You know what I mean? So, I'm trying to find a way around it. <laughs> you could always, like, cut your cheeks, paint your face red, and just, like, have red lipstick. Why so serious? Give yourself a smile most of the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure why. Well, I know why I'm like that, but I guess I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to fix this. So I kind of brought that up to the guy, mm-hmm. the the trainer up in Feeland, and he kind of said, like, uh, not to worry about it. He has a couple people who do really well without being extra animated, and he can start showing me some stuff. Okay. So, yeah, dude, coaching helps. <laughs> Whether it's on the cars, because, you know, your state of mind is going to affect you 100% on a bunch of different things. Yes, yes, it will. So if it's in driving, you know, you're getting your confidence going and you need sometimes that coaching to help you even get that confidence, you know, whether it's a ride along or whether it's somebody in the passenger seat kind of guiding you through the track, right? Just Mm -hmm. like Jaime did for for me. Or on the other side, you have somebody that is the guru in that sport to help guide you through and get you comfortable. Because there's no way I'm going to get squeaky high voiced and you know, out in the middle of public like that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, Manny, let's knock out some headlines. This took a little longer than I thought. Oh, it did it? It did. I'm not too sure about that. All right. Well, let's see. All righty. So we actually have a few uh, Democrats that are actually Democratic politicians, uh, both in the Senate and the Representative House. Uh, they are actually trying to call for new laws that actually protect children from online gaming. 
protect them from online gaming. As and, in, and specifically in the online gaming of gambling. Gambling with money? Like yes. taking from their parents and like using their cards and shit? Yes. Or? Okay. And other factors of uh, gambling while having their personal information exposed. Oh, okay. Like data collection. Data collection. I mean, let's not forget... We also have a very dark side of the of the gaming industry, where the Smash community, that too. <laughs> well, but just in general, like kids being targeted by older people on online gaming platforms, the Smash community, yeah. Uh, so what this pertains to is actually more towards loot boxes. Okay, like the gotcha games and stuff like that, or basically, it's in a sense, honestly, uh, one of the most uh, popular games that I can think of right now that pertains to this would be like Overwatch. Uh, loot boxes, like in this in these kind of games, where every time you level up, you get a box, but you don't know what it is. And you open it, and you get a random piece that could be here, uh, common, uncommon, um, ultra rare, or just legendary status. Uh, equipment, skins, emotes, stickers, bunch of other stuff that the games could offer. To make it more fun to play with. And that's like if you're going to do the free-to-play ver- uh, version of the game. If you want to play to or you want to pay to play, it would be basically you spending money to buy loot boxes with the gamble of hoping to get the legendary items that you want. Okay, got it. And so what this is going on with um, kids, uh, you have like kids like, that are like getting their information and data sharing. What was it you said again? Data sharing or no? Like data collection? Data collection. There we go. Uh, and all that stuff and everything. And so what these Democrats um, are actually trying to do, they're trying to implement. This was actually proposed quite a while back also too. So this was actually an interesting update to this situation um, about these loot boxes. Because uh, there's other games that involve loot boxes. Um, I can't name them off the top of my head because I'm having like a uh, brain fart on them right now. But like I said, the one I can think of the most right now would be like Overwatch. And with these, de- <clears throat> with these Democrats that are trying to do, they're trying to implement something that the UK already implemented. Okay, and that's basically blocking these companies from collecting data on miners. In a sense, something like that too. Um, so these Democrats have actually already sent out emails and requests from like multiple big time players inside the in the gaming industry, Microsoft, Disney, uh, Sony, Nintendo, and just other gaming um, head the head honchos of the gaming community, honestly. Yeah. And so trying to figure out a way that they can create a more safe environment that won't affect them personally okay and so what what they're trying to like look towards um that especially that came from uh the uk would be the age appropriate design code uh, basically it was a type of code kind of like a security extra security codes that were impl- implemented as lo- uh, laws for the uk youth to protect them for to have a f- uh, safer environment and more of a, a healthy learning environment as well. All right. <laughs> so what's the code do though? 
the code basically turns off uh, geolocation um, and by default. So, and there's no way to actually turn it back on. Uh, this actually helps, especially with people that are trying to hack other people's IPs and figure and find out their whereabouts and pose a potential threat to their personal lives or their online lives as well. All especially right. in the in the best interest of children that to create a better place for them to explore explore learn and play at a safer pace without them being uh vulnerable okay cool so that helps definitely protect uh data for them right mm-hmm. which is kind of a sketchy thing that you know usually it's all about uh you kind of leave the children out of it right yes but because there's no regulation on that part, I guess data mining for miners must be pretty lucrative, especially when it comes to targeted advertising and yes, stuff like that. Yes, and data mining has become like a surge right now, especially with how expensive um, graphics cards become. So you know about that, right? Yeah. So, question though, how does it? How does what they're pushing evolve? Um, the actual gambling part, like the gotchas and stuff like that. Does it just restrict them from incorporating that kind of stuff into the game? So maybe we won't see a lot of these in games anymore? Uh, I think... So this is like an extra buff towards um, parental controls and everything. And with that, it will keep like children from like spending money that is not allowed to be used as gambling method. It's weird. Um, there's it, the article doesn't really say much of like how it can be implemented towards the gambling part. Okay. And I was hoping to get more information on that when I was looking up these articles and everything, but it really just doesn't. It just creates. It's just more of a way to try to get young people to not spend money, I guess, but in a safer in a safer environment towards gaming. All right. Cool. And again, and again, with uh, gambling and online transactions with monetary value and everything it all leaves a, a trail and everything and the trail always involves personal information and personal data always that's a money maker it is it is and uh, they they did uh these kind of games did profit a lot on these especially i know i spent a lot of money on overwatch <laughs> especially the halloween when it was the halloween event uh, for Overwatch, my main was Junkrat, and I wanted to have the the Scarecrow outfit for him. How much did you spend, Manny? Honestly, I don't remember. All right, the, the game those. the game came out like quite a few years ago. Um, I was still in college, so this was like still a few years before I met you and everything. And I remember me and my all my university buddies and everything. We'd always be on like late at night, just playing Overwatch till like two a.m. or something. Cool. And then opening up our loot boxes all together and everything, just like having these meme matches and everything. And by meme matches, like we would do like so much stupid shit where like it became a meme towards us, like basically like an inside joke. Got it. All right. Uh, I remember this uh, one particular match that we all did. This was in the game. This was before the the developers put in a patch or an update where if you wanted to play a six team match, no one could be the same character. As the other pair, as the uh, the other players playing. Okay, everybody had to be unique. Yep, and that's pretty much what Overwatch is. You have to be unique because there's some that are more towards health, uh, regen, more toward uh, some towards DPS, some towards she uh, defense, tank, and all that stuff. 
And the best way, well, some of the best ways you can win these matches is to have a very concrete stability, uh, stability in a team. One as a healer and all that stuff and everything. And so before they did that, there's a, there's a character called Winston. And Winston is a gorilla that has the mind of a scientist and can speak and everything. And we would all pick him and we would call it the Harambe match. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was amazing because most of the time it was just funny how frantically they panicked when they saw like a six-team match of uh, gorillas c- c- just like running towards them. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I mean, that's how, that's what I know about Overwatch. I'm still trying to wrap my, uh, my mind around like other games. I think Call of Duty does loot boxes. I'm not too sure. I don't play Call, Call of Duty too much. Or not even too much. I don't play at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, almost every game has some form of mystery box, advancement. Like, it's all kind of like a psychology thing with most games. You know, Mm -hmm. they give you levels and they give you numbers to increase and amp up and rank up just so that you can get into it and, you know, continue on to it. Every little achievement you get keeps you hooked to keep going. It does. It does. And that's where also, like, microtransactions come into play as well. Um, EA in, uh, in particular is the most famous company that I know of that is just notorious when it comes to microtransactions because, oh, you want this outfit, you have to buy it. Oh, you want this weapon, you have to buy it. If you want to actually enjoy the game, you pretty much have to spend money even though you already spend money to buy the game. Whereas like loot box and stuff, you're going to enjoy the game regardless. Just that Whatever stuff you get inside the loot boxes just gives it like an extra flair. Skins, emotes, all the other stuff. Okay. And I think there was a rumor that Disney was going to pull the rights away from EA for Star Wars because they saw how terribly it was doing in sales when they made the the Star Wars Battlefront 2 game. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, Manny, what's our next headline? All righty. And so we actually witnessed the new Integra. Not yet witnessed. I know, I know, I know. But I'm just trying to hype it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I don't think it needs any help from us. I don't know about you, but my feed was flooded with the same post. <laughs> I mean, that and another car, too. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not weird, but it was interesting that these two new cars, well, they're not even new either. <laughs> Uh, but these char- cars just been just been revived, honestly. Which one? The Lamborghini Countach. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? The only reason I knew about that one was because of a meme where everybody was ignoring the Lamborghini and looking at the Integra. Really? I I don't know if maybe it's just the people that I follow, but I didn't see a single post about it until I saw that meme. Well, I mean, we do kind of follow a community that heavy that goes heavy towards cars like the Integras, not towards exotics. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it, you know, maybe it's my bias because I can't afford them, so I don't give a shit about them. <laughs> <laughs> but my post was literally flooded with just Integras everywhere, and I am excited. It was like a very healthy mix of both of them with me on social media everywhere. Okay. Well, I'm excited, but at the same time, a little bit nervous. How so? Well, because it's coming at the point of transition 
where they're already talking about the next Type R might be a hybrid. Huh. So maybe this Integra is not really going to have that... Again, I maybe I sound a little bit curious, but that pure internal combustion engine, lightweight, <laughs> awesome handling, revolutionary car that it was in the 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. Given when it's going to probably re- be released, it might come out to us as a hybrid. The Integra or the the Type R? Well, the Integra. Okay. The Integra. There's not even a confirmation that they're going to make a Type R or a Type S or something like that, mm. right? But the Integra might come out to us as a hybrid. And that might make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I did see something interesting with the... The whole ordeal with the uh, the Integra, though. A lot of people are actually shitty on the headlights. On the headlights. Yes. Why? Because it looks nothing like the headlights from the from the older Integras. Well, no fucking shit. I know. That's what I, that's <laughs> what I don't understand. See, I thought you were gonna say they were shitting on the headlights for a completely different reason. Mm. I thought you were gonna say it's because it looks almost identical. To the Acura ILX. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that car. No. Uh, Here's a little bit of live producing. Take a good look at that front end and take a good look at that almost checkmark bottom LED. Yep, that's that's definitely the one. So watch them bring it out as just basically a two-door version of this. (laughs) Holy shit. I didn't think about that. I'd be sad. I don't think they will do that just because this is their flagship and Honda does take their flagship seriously. You know, obviously it's Acura, whatever, but you know what I mean? Basically, Mm -hmm. Honda in general, they tend to take those cars a bit more seriously. Yes. Now, they could have went a little bit more wild on the NSX, and I think that's why the NSX kind of didn't make as big of a splash as we all hoped it would. Yeah, I mean... Visually, it looks nice, but it just doesn't give off the appeal. Well, no, it, it's an awesome fucking car. It's just that it seems like the people that are buying them would rather buy something with higher horse, something more wild, basically. Yes. At that price point in that market, they're buying way more wild than what the NSX is, even mm. though the NSX is fucking badass. So, obviously, this is kind of like the pessimism in me going like, oh, it's going to be a two-door ILX. <laughs> but no, I am pretty hopeful that they're going to do a good job for it. Okay. Cuz you don't bring it you don't bring this back just to kick it in the mud, you know what I mean? So, I didn't really look into it much, but like is this going to be like a concept or is this like a final design so far? Well, they didn't even really show us a final design. They didn't show us much else other than what you saw. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they literally just kind of showed the headlight little check mark thing, part of a grill bumper and part of a hood. Mm-hmm. That's literally all you really saw. So we'll see what it ends up actually looking like. Okay. There's a ton of renders, right? A ton of people who do kind of like a. And, and you know, we always, always, always see it. I don't know about that wing, though. Well, this is just one of them, though. Yeah, I know. know. But we always, always come across these people kind of like making their own designs of what this car concept could look like, right? Mm -hmm. It's honestly super entertaining to see, but we don't know what it's going to look like. 
I'm hopeful that it's going to bring out something pretty cool for us. Maybe instead of being a hybrid, maybe it'll be the last hurrah, right? For the internal combustion motor. Give us like... Shoot, the maybe it'll use the type R, the current type R engine, you know? Okay. With some better fucking cooling, please. <laughs> <laughs> just throw some ice on it. Uh, well, it seems like they just need a different turbo or a different mounting location. Mm. Just to get rid of that heat so these Integras don't overheat overheat the way the type R's do. Um but yeah, maybe it'll use the Type R internal combustion motor as of now. But instead of being a four-door hatchback, you know, we'll get a two-door coupe in. Even though Honda just hacked the SI coupe. How so? Well, they stopped making it. It did? Yeah. Actually, I believe we actually covered it months ago. I don't remember. Yes. A few months ago, they actually hacked off the coupe SI. Huh. So I'm not sure if that's a decision. Um, I didn't even know they made a coupe SI. Well, it's. I was going to say that the part of the reason they might have made a decision is because they don't seem to sell very well here. Yeah, because most of the SIs that I've been seeing so far are just all four doors. Yeah, I mean, it's practicality and there's not a huge weight difference or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what this ends up bringing, I think. You know, I don't I don't even think we really even needed to talk about it just because I think everybody already heard about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited. And I can't wait to see an update for it. Watch me buy another fucking... <laughs> this man. But anyway... I mean, at least it comes in a manual. More than likely, it will come in a manual. I hope so. I, I think so. I mean, they literally won't even sell you an SI automatic. That is true. So Honda's been very good about that. They've been very respectful to the manual, and I love them for it. You hear that, Toyota? Yeah, for reals. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, let's move on to our next headline, Manny. Uh, so speaking of like hybrids, you drove an EV the other day. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. So yeah, yeah, my sister had bought a Mini Cooper EV. They made EVs new Mini Coopers? Yeah. <laughs> the hell? Yeah. She's a tiny little person in a tiny little car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how did you feel sitting in it? Big or tiny? It was pretty spacious, actually. It was pretty spacious. Okay. So like the standard like the standard Mini Coopers or like the Countryman? Uh, no, it was a standard. Okay. So the smaller ones, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did feel like some of the... Uh, Gauge displays and stuff like that did feel a little bit like go-kart gadgety. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it is a small car. It, it is a very small car. Take off the, the body, just put a frame, you got a go-kart. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, uh, it was actually pretty spacious. It did surprise me. Um, one of the first things I noticed was like kind of like when you first start a car you have you know you're always your foot's on the brake because once you put it in gear it's gonna roll yes so it was super weird to like her her house is up on a hill and the hill's fairly steep so it was really weird to like uh you know you start off flat ground or whatever but it was just really weird i was i'm used to always holding on to the brake putting it in reverse and just releasing the brake Mm -hmm. 
but this one doesn't move because there's no actual engine inertia already moving it. Oh, shit. So I had to actually give it a little bit of throttle. I'm trying to refrain from saying gas. <laughs> but it's it's so weird because it has that regenerative like uh, charging when you... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so basically when you're not on the throttle, it engine brakes. Mm-hmm. Not regular brakes, but it engine brakes to help recharge your battery. Huh. I think you could drive most places and you might not even... If you time it correctly, you might not even have to use your brakes. It's actually semi-aggressive. How so? So enough to where if you're if you take it up to like fifty and you completely let go of the throttle, you're actually gonna be put into your seatbelt a little bit. Ooh, yeah, it's really really weird. So like to ke- keep it smooth, you'd actually have to just lift off a throttle a little bit to slow you down, and then off a little bit, and then towards the end, you let it engine brake essentially, and then finish it with your pedal. So if the car doesn't move when you put it into a gear, how does it feel trying to go forward? I mean, it felt nice. It did have some torque to it. But I'm just saying like how you expect yourself to go a little bit back in your seat, think it's going to start to, with the inertia, try to go forward. Oh, yeah. You look dumb. How? Because you move your body like, okay, oh, nope, I didn't move. (laughs) (laughs) So how far did you go forward? I mean, not a lot, but enough to where I was kind of like, oh, that's right. It's not going to move. Like, I have to give it throttle to make it move. (laughs) It it was weird. It was really weird. But, um, I mean, for being so small, you could kind of feel the battery weight. And that's what kind of made me sad. (laughs) So the car felt heavy then? It, I mean, for the size, it felt heavy. Hmm. I mean, it didn't feel Crown Victoria heavy. (laughs) (laughs) That thing's a fucking tank. But it did actually feel, like, heavy for that size. So, like, when I did try to, like... She wasn't in the car with me, so I actually did kind of drive it aggressive. When I did give it... she got mad? Nah, I don't think... I think she... She knows me. I think she knew what I was going to (laughs) do. But when I did give it gas and kind of, like throw the steering back and forth just to feel the weight transfer a little bit. Yeah, it was a lot more weight than I thought it was going to actually have. It, it honestly did surprise me, hmm. which also made me a little bit sad. <laughs> so now experiencing this, like, is it more persuading you to want a Tesla more now or what? Because you've talked about it many times. Yeah, um... I don't know just yet. Because, I mean, those are two completely different cars, even though they're both RV. EV. RV. RV. <laughs> <laughs> even though they're both EV, they are two completely different cars. That is true. You know what I mean? Once, but but um, like just in the sense that it's an EV, do you think you felt a little bit more persuaded? Persuaded? Unchanged. Unchanged? Okay. Un- unchanged. I mean, there wasn't anything remarkable about it to make me lean more into it and go like yeah i definitely want one now Mm -hmm. the torque was pretty nice to feel but i mean i can get that torque anywhere else like it wasn't because it's the little mini cooper it doesn't have a long range its power isn't ridiculous you know what i mean it it wasn't enough to wow me into it you know okay at the same note 
it wasn't slow as a turd and everything where it kind of dissuaded me from it. So it has torque for acceleration, but it's slow. It's not slow. It's just not... It's not fast enough to give up internal combustion. Mm. I guess that'd be the best way to go. For a Mini Cooper. For a Mini Cooper, yeah. For a Mini Cooper, it did feel like fast. It had torque to it. You know, it felt nice. It, You know, it got up and goed. You know, it went. But your range isn't super high. I think her range is like a hundred and something miles. Oh. I mean, it's better than a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think her range is only like a hundred something miles or something, and I think the charging takes forever. And I think I think almost all the EV cars take forever to charge. Yeah, but at least Tesla has those superchargers that'll give you like fifty percent in a short amount of time. Oh, that is true. Yeah. So I mean, her charging takes forever. The my the range isn't super long. It's quick. Has, has but not she, enough. Has she actually driven it to the point where the battery's almost completely drained? No, dude. She works like five minutes from her house. But like that's a, it was like a two-part question for me. Like, and if she did, how long did it actually take for a full charge? Oh, uh, good question. I can ask her, but she doesn't leave very far. Mm-hmm. Like that car is perfect for her because she never really travels far. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And whenever they do have to travel far... They'll just take uh, her husband's car, which is the Chevy SS. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say it kind of left me a bit unchanged. It was interesting to drive. It was kind of weird. You just, just that awkward, the awkward motions, you know, of giving it gas or giving it throttle and you're at a dead stop. You know, minus holding onto the brake and giving it throttle, like you don't really feel that. It's, it was weird. It just felt off, I guess. So then, basically, with the sense that her job is actually pretty close to where she lives, EV was her her priority choice for choosing that car, or what was the uh, the ultimate choice for her getting an EV Mini Cooper? Her ultimate choice was that she wanted something new and small, and. I think she went electric more out of the convenience because she works so close. She doesn't want to go to the gas station. Mm. She just wants to go to work at home. Like she's so used to never driving anywhere that she doesn't want to make the extra trips to the gas station. (laughs) I feel sorry for her. Why is that? Because that means she can't stop for hot Cheetos. I guess not. I guess not. It's a sad day. (laughs) But yeah, it, it was, it was, Interesting, but like I said, it's just not enough. I, I think we need to go on Toro and uh, we'll do a full review on a Model 3 or something. We did mention that the Bronco is going to be EV2, right? I can't remember. I don't know about that one. Oh, no, that was the Hummer. Never mind, never mind. That was the Hummer. Okay, okay. But, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll do a review maybe on the Model 3. We'll just go on Toro and maybe we'll rent one out and do a review on it. Then we'll see if it pushes me over the edge. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, right can push, now, you can push the car over edge. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and you and you go with it. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> but yeah, for right now, unchanged. Okay, I, I don't think it got me to that point. But uh, let's move on, Manny. Alrighty, so now it's time for our review. Yes, and what did we watch, Manny? Uh, we watched the Rooney Kenshin, the beginning. 
And this is the live action. Live action, yes, correct. Uh, for most people that don't know, uh, there is five live action movies in total for Rooney Kenshin. The first one came out quite a few years ago, and then we had Kilton Inferno, and I'm trying to remember the damn third name. The Legend Ends. There you go. So it was the first one, Rooney Kenshin live action movie, Kilton Inferno, The Legend Ends, then the final. <laughs> And then the last one they came out with was the beginning. The first four come out in in actual sequence towards the anime. Um, Kyoto Inferno being a two-part movie because the arc was just that long inside the anime. And the beginning is actually a prequel, but it actually portrays towards the OVA of Rooney Kenshin. Correct. And a little bit of background, Manny has watched all of these, right? Pretty Correct. much. I have watched all of them. So on my side, even though it's an older anime that I do remember, is just one that I never really sat all the way through. Mm-hmm. So I, I have um, maybe the first five episodes of the anime, and then maybe a couple sporadically I've caught. Fuck. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually one of the very first animes that I've seen. See, and it was like one of the first I remember seeing, but my focus went to other ones other than that one. That was kind of like that filler anime that I would just watch, even though I never knew the story mm. of the beginning, and I would just go, oh, well, here's an episode here and there. You know what yeah. I mean? So the lore for me wasn't as rooted for me watching Because you this. never... And basically just because you didn't actually, or what's the word, commit to actually watching the series to know it. Yeah, and it's not so much the commit. It was I didn't go back to pursue. Mm -hmm. So since I didn't catch it from the beginning, and it was always that that filler one in between like, you know, Cowboy Bebop and like Dragon Ball and a bunch of other ones I was watching back Mm -hmm. then. It was one that later on, as I got into anime more and started watching more of it, I never really went back and committed myself to restart that one. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that one back then. Yeah. I mean, like some of the animes when I started off, I mean, technically we weren't really anime fans when we were like younger and everything because it was just what it was on TV and we were just watching and it kind of interest. Well, it was, it was late night cartoons that had blood. Yes, <laughs> but like we didn't see what the actual anime is for what it is as a community or as a separate genre as when we were younger till now. And that's what I mean. Like back then it was just on TV. It was cool. It was awesome to watch. So we just watched it and we never would have thought that we would actually be big into anime in the future till present now. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, so some of my animes when I first started off was like Digimon, uh, Zatch Bell, Rooney Kenshin, of course Pokemon, but I think that's just pretty much just generic for everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty same, much. same with Yugo and Dragon Ball Z. And I think those, yeah, those those were pretty much like the the main starters for me. Zatch Bell especially was a very, I enjoyed that one too. Yeah. So getting back to the movie. Mm-hmm. So this is the prequel. Gets all the beginning of how everything started. How everything started and how Rooney Kenshin or and the terms of the prequel because in after the prequel that's when he takes on his new name as Rooney Kenshin. So his name was Himura Batosai. Yes, correct. 
And opening scene, Manny. Opening scene? Opening scene. You got the guy running, yelling, you know, that they're that they're coming, right? And he goes into that fucking house where they have um uh where they basically have how do you pronounce it again? He Himura? Himura Batosai. Himura. They have him pretty much captured, right? Yes. But they didn't know who he was either. Yes. That was the funny part. I I, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pretty much did a Mike Tyson move to a yes. fucking Zabuza. <laughs> After he cut off his arm. Yes. Yes, correct. So he lunges out while he's tied up. He bites off the guy's ear. And then he became Zoro. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. I was like, it's like the fuck? Is this One Piece or is this Rooney Kenshin? <laughs> I mean, basically, that's why I said uh, fucking uh, Zabuza did the same thing with the fucking... Uh, I'm already... The kunai. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes through. He pretty much slaughters them. I got some super Kill Bill vibes off of it. <laughs> Which I enjoy. That's the kind of stuff I wanted to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. They didn't really... Um, so, like I said, this is a prequel, and it pretty much uh, mirrors the OVA animes, which is just three episodes, and each episode is about an hour an hour long each. In the anime, they actually showed when he was a little kid traveling in a caravan, and if I'm correct, they were slaves. They were just traveling. And next thing you know, a group of bandits come out, and they just slaughter everybody. He was the sole survivor only because a man popped out and just killed all the bandits and took him in as a student. Correct. And then uh, back into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't worry. We're going to be going back and forth with the anime, or the anime and the live action. I'm going to try to keep us focused on the movie because <laughs> <laughs> we reviewed the movie. But okay, so... The next scene, pretty much, they come back to find all the dead bodies. Yes. Nice touch that I don't think they I see very often in other movies is the flies. Yes, I did notice that. I, I was kind of like, I saw the flies like just hovering around the dead body. I was like, oh, that's, that's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. We don't get that very often. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, I don't know about you, Manny, but I understand it's supposed to be like the historical accuracy for the time. But the center-shaved heads was very distracting to me. Oh, okay. So do you really want to know what the importance of that and everything? No. <laughs> it, having that type of hairstyle actually was also like a, a social status it, as a samurai and everything. And the idea of them having those parts shaved on their head was that so their hair won't interfere with them when they're wearing their helmet in battle. Got it. Okay. It was still super, super distracting, and it yes. seemed like the only people getting killed had the shaved head. <laughs> um, so basically, cut to the next uh, thing. They kind of have go to the home base. Nothing super eventful, right? But then he gets into training camp. Oh, that was like a little flashback, yeah. That was a little flashback. That was yeah. a flashback when he was recruited as an assassin. Exactly. And, uh, and this is... in. I know I'm going to cut you off, but I'm going back and forth towards the anime, too, of the, the OVA section part. But he basically rebelled against his teacher and went off to become a samurai to fight for the peace towards the uh, for the emperor and everything. Yeah, and that's how he kind of got discovered into this kind of niche mm-hmm. group. Yes. 
And, uh, you know, it kind of starts off with the whole... And, you know, I get it. It's an older one or whatever, but I'm going to scrutinize it nonetheless. <laughs> they do use a lot of those just, like, very stereotypical, plain, obvious, super obvious scenarios of how they introduce everything. Mm-hmm. So he's standing there minding his own business. And just a random guy comes out. And a random guy comes out to call him out. Yes. What are you doing here? (laughs) So, and then all all of a sudden he gets to flex his stuff and then everybody's all impressed. He goes, sits with the cool kids. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. There's a lot of that, but I have to say it because it's kind of like, all right, dude, like you got to, you got to stop doing that. We're we're better than this. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, he got recruited for pantsing somebody. I mean, yeah, but still, it's just we could do better. Yes. We can do better writing. <laughs> um, I just wanted to make a quick note of this. So the guy who actually recruited him from the training camp, mm-hmm. I forget his name, the boss of that subsector. Uh it starts with a K. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But basically... We'll call him Mr. K. Yeah. I just wanted to point out a really weird scene where he's talking to, I guess, his significant other that's with him. And she's like cleaning out his ears while they're talking about the plans. Yes. Why? Why does it have to be while he's getting his earwax taken out? That's so awkward. Uh, I mean, again, with like the whole historical accuracy part, I mean... Men, of course, and especially throughout history in other nations, not just Japan, but I guess, in my opinion, I think it's just because men always had that social setting where the women always do the grooming for the men. I mean, she could be helping him put his coat on or like... True, true. You know, know. it's a little bit of a weird choice. It was was a weird choice. I was kind of like, what the fuck is she doing? It was. Why? (laughs) But anyways, I just thought, fucking random note. So I got like 12 pages of notes (laughs) that I took... (laughs) This man. Hey, I, we decided we were going to do a little bit more details with these. So Yes. And uh, just for the listeners, I mean, I know we I know we didn't do like spoilers for the animes and stuff, but like, since this is a live action, there's a very small niche community of people that actually watch live actions. So that's pretty much why we're going to be talking a lot of stuff that actually happens oh, in the movie. Spoilers all the way. Spoilers all the way because it it just really doesn't just doesn't matter honestly yeah yeah so next scene gets cut into right Mm -hmm. and i'm super proud of myself for this one because as soon as i saw that you're proud of taking notes i'm i'm proud of my notes (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be proud of that email too. as as soon as she walked in i literally listed her as enter honeypot next scene Mm -hmm. and spoiler alert she was a fucking honey pot. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So super, I was super proud. Like as I kind of kept going through, and they kind of foreshadowed it, which I'll give them credit for that part of the writing. They had very, very subtle, but they did have the foreshadowing, mm-hmm. which was nice to see. But I was super happy at the end. I was kind of like, oh, I knew she was a fucking honey pot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, again. With the writing, right? The stereotypical thing of how they the, meet. The very cliche encounters. Yeah. Oh, my God. The most, the most. Like, basically, and you guys can all kind of guess it, she's by herself. She's very beautiful. Goes into a bar. Everybody murmurs. And then two drunk assholes go up to harass her, basically. Yes. 
And he saves her and walks away without saying a word because he's cool. <laughs> it was I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, come in the on. anime, they didn't actually have interaction at all. No, she kind of already had an idea of who he was. She just went there, and then just like in the live action movie, he goes outside. But instead of encountering the two drunks that he basically that were chased, waiting for him, that he chased away in the live action movie. He went out to be ambushed by an assassin directly. Yeah, low key in the anime. I was super, super disappointed that the assassin thing didn't last longer. It was very short lived. Yeah, compared to the anime, it was very short lived. I mean, yeah, um, with the anime part, it was short, but it wasn't as short lived as the live action. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean again. They away separate from the anime. They really took away a lot of the comical mm-hmm. parts of it and really tried to go for this super super serious kind of thing. Well, the OVAs weren't even that comical either. No, no. Okay, I never watched the OVA. It, so. it, pretty much how you saw the live action movie was mellow and tragic. Okay. All right. Well, so I still would have wanted more action if mm-hmm. they're sacrificing kind of the comedy side of it. Yeah. I would have wanted more action or better done drama. Let me get the... Because I have the first three live action movies on Blu-ray. Let me let me get them for my buddy Tommy because I let him borrow it. And I'm going to hand them over to you so you can start watching them. Okay, I'm down. Um, so, basically, he kills this assassin super fucking fast. Splatters blood all over the chick. The honeypot. Yes. And she looks totally fucking unfazed and then passes out. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure she's not like she can't hold her liquor. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, now, mind you, this whole time, like I said, I wish they would have done the drama a little bit better. They basically had uh, Kristen Stewart playing. Um, I'm already blanking out his fucking name. <laughs> just, just say Himara. Batosa. Yeah, I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> Samurai X Sure, whatever But basically they had uh, Kristen Stewart playing him mm-hmm. Like no emotion It's literally one face The entire fucking movie And I think that has to do with His, his tragic upbringing With like his whole family And everybody that cared for him as a child When he was in the caravan Just ultimately slaughtered Yeah, but there's there's a there's a face you can do that shows kind of tragedy and seriousness and pensiveness that keeps that serious tone without just blank. And he's pretty much blank the whole damn movie. I kind of feel like it has to be because uh, his whole part as being an assassin, just never showing emotion. Just so I mean, he, every other person that's on his team is an assassin as well. And no, they, they all, were they were just fighters. He was the secret assassin for the group. I mean. I, I'm sorry, I cannot excuse bad acting, Manny. <laughs> that it, It's just really, really bad. It's Twilight bad. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he ends up taking her back um, basically to his like home base, huh? The reason why he took him back is because they he needed to delegate if either... He needed to her? kill her or not. Yeah. yeah, kill her or not, basically. If she was a threat or not. Yeah, because basically she saw him murder the assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, she ends up working there. 
yeah, she pretty much just starts. Uh, I think it's mainly just part of the like the repaying the gratitude that she stayed there even though she didn't pay for the inn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she seems to be doing a a lot of like there was like this whole cut scenes right where she's kind of writing in her diary mm-hmm. and Himura is basically like killing a bunch of people right yes which again ends up later on in the movie being foreshadowing mm-hmm. which is great that was actually once once i got towards the end of the movie i appreciated that a little bit more mm-hmm. besides just looking at it kind of sus like <laughs> um i did have a note in here that he kind of walks like he's trying to charge up on a carpet to <laughs> <laughs> to zap somebody with static pressure or like, static shock. Like the show Ed and Eddie where like he discovers electricity by like rubbing his socks on the floor carpet and everything. Yeah, no, that's literally how he walks. It was it was actually kind of Yeah, the funny. idea is so to make it look like he's running faster. No, no, this was his slow walk. Oh. There's oh. a separate note I have in here because I did put, again, I was typing like furiously typing as a, as the movie was going on trying to keep up. And I did put a note on here where I said, look at him go when he was running. <laughs> I mean, maybe they could have actually made did that on purpose so he can actually stand out in, in comparison to everybody else. I don't know. I don't know. He could just run really funny. I mean, he definitely stood out. And it caught our attention. He was the only one on screen, Manny. <laughs> um, but anyways, he's washing blood off himself mm-hmm. and enter in the honeypot. Now, this is kind of, again, where storytelling gets a little bit weird because they've had, like, two or three interactions, Mm -hmm. and she's telling him that she can't sleep when he's out at night. Like, basically, like she's worried about him to that point already, and it's kind of like they don't even know each other. I feel like it has to do with the revenge plot, though. Yes, again, it does. Absolutely it does, because she is the honeypot. But at this point, we're... We technically don't know that, right? Because if he leaves and he doesn't come back, she'll never. She 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 basically just missed her opportunity. Yeah, but like I said, it's it. At this point, we in the story, we don't know that. Yeah, we just know that for some reason she's just awkwardly, overly attached to him already. Mm-hmm. Um, creepy to the point where she's like in his room all the time, leaving flowers and shit. And she's already under the suspicion at this point where the bosses are talking about her to see if, like, she is a spy. Yeah, because she has no accent that is familiar towards the Kyoto region. And, of course, she doesn't dress the way, like, the people of Kyoto dress or anything or looks as well for the region. Yeah, and the boss ends up having to talk with her, basically. The quote was, uh, don't dull his sword. Yes. Which is basically, like... Don't, don't make him uh, fall in love with you. Soft, right? Don't make him soft. Don't make him want to stop doing what he's doing, which is you know the assassination work, right? Yeah. Don't keep him soft. Just keep him hard. <laughs> God damn it, Betty. Uh So the next day, she does exactly that. She takes him out into town and tries to give him this crazy speech about, um how you know everybody is loved by somebody and somebody's family member and whatnot you know and uh one of the quotes that i thought was kind of funny is um she kind of asks him like it, it, this happens a couple times because this guy is such a bad actor and he doesn't know how to show facial expressions 
she'll say a comment and he just doesn't say anything. He just turns to look at her. And then I fill it up in my head like, fuck you. <laughs> like fucking uh, Wheeler Walker Jr. is like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. You so broke my heart. She kind of has this quote where she goes, she starts talking about how all these people who are brothers, dads, uncles, mothers, whatever, mm-hmm. could be to other people, you know, and they're loved. And she's like, do you ever think about the victims? Do you ever think about how you could be a victim? And then he doesn't really say nothing for a second. He just stares at her. And I just fill up, fill it in my head like he's supposed to say, is that a threat? <laughs> <laughs> but he just never says anything. So it just, it's just, it's fucking hilarious. Now, background scene, right? Uh, what's the name of the police brigade? The Shinsengumi Gumi uh, uh, Police. Okay. So they're dressed up like they're going to a Miku concert. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, Manny. I replace th- replace their sword with the glow stick you have in your room right now. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> so, yeah, there I... I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. I was kind of like, oh, my God, where's Manny? Did he bring his coat? Did he bring his coat? <laughs> and this is where I actually saw him do his little shuffling, wiggling run. Mm. Hilarious as hell. Um, and at this point is the first time I've seen somebody with that shaved head actually kill Ing rather than being killed. Mm, yes. Uh, so for the most part... Uh what this movie shows is like the t- the times where like the shogun and the emperor were fighting for power of all Japan and everything. So the Shinsugumi pat- uh, police were part of the shogun force, while Batosai and his faction were part of the emperor faction. Yes, correct. So they're going through. They're, I think a couple people escape, right? And there's this one guy in particular. I don't think he's a super important notable character other than the fact of leading one of the main the police captain out of the area. The first captain. Yeah, yeah. Or first division captain. Correct, correct. So he kind of goes through, he falls. Drinks water. Drinks water. Which was stupid. He's supposed to be running away. (laughs) But he drinks water out of a creek. And then he starts stargazing at the fucking fireflies. Yeah, yeah. What? I I know it's supposed to be for dramatic effect, but it's kind of like, no. (laughs) Run. They yelled and said, you're getting away. (laughs) They know you're out here. But anyways, that's what kind of brought up the captain versus uh, uh, Himura. And he pretty much stomped him around. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. Because meanwhile, he kept injuring the first division captain. He wasn't getting injured at all. And if you remember earlier in the movie, that, that same captain, he was acting very cocky that he can take him on. Correct, correct. And uh, just a quick mention before uh, before we get a little bit too far ahead. Uh, some of the flashbacks that he kept having, and this is like repeatedly throughout the movie, mm-hmm. is one of the flashbacks is to a uh, a kill that he did of a of a soldier, and the soldier said that he was in love with somebody and he couldn't die. I made a bunch of jokes because he kept getting up after he got slashed with the sword every single time. Yes. And it reminded me of that scene in Austin Powers. And I think they have it a couple times where they dump him off a chair into fire. I think another time they like shot him and he like fell down like a hill. I do not recall. 
Nah, well, I, I've seen the movies, but I don't. Yeah, know yeah. It's the joke. Basically, the guy like gets shot. He falls down a hill, and they think he's dead, but he's like screaming in pain. He's like, "Well, no, I'm not dead. My leg's broken, and it hurts really bad." And I, I guess in my opinion, or in my analogy for it would be Randy Marsh when he's fighting all the dads from different baseball teams. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I I didn't hear no bell. I mean, but that shows that there was a fight to be put. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, basically this guy kept getting up and I just... And again, I know it's supposed to be a dramatic scene. They just... I don't think they do a good job at it. But he keeps getting up and he keeps saying that, you know, he has somebody he loves and he can't die. But it's like the guy was already... Like, Himura was already walking away. If bro was alive, he could have just stayed down and been alive <laughs> no but he could have bled to death anyway well yeah he had a better chance than getting up and getting slashed again but he got up three times just to get slashed again I, it was kind of I know, again i know it's supposed to be dramatic but it just it didn't hit right <laughs> but anyways that kept coming back as a flashback because the guy was actually able to land a hit on himura and that's what and he actually got uh, a scar no, he actually got made fun of. It. I was like, "Oh shit, was this person actually that good?" I was like, "No, he's just stubborn, <laughs> stubborn and a strong will." Yeah, yeah, but that's one of the major important flashbacks. Yes. Before, like, I just wanted to cover that before we got too far. Uh, so Himura basically beats the captain into a squatty potty gag crap. <laughs> <laughs> he was honestly, he was. It, yeah, it, and then, it, and then later on, we just see him casually just standing there. Like if yeah. nothing happened. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> it was it was kind of embarrassing. But uh, by that time, the I guess he'd be the head of the police, the or chief. Yeah. What, what we would say would be chief, right? Yeah, the chief. <clears throat> and they're about to fight, but then the rest of uh, Himura's backup pretty much comes and tells him, "Hey, back off! Not at this time. Let's mm-hmm. go." You know. And so, then after that, you basically see the Shinsengimi police create what is called in. The historic event of that of that series, the Kyoto Inferno, which actually later becomes a, an important major role in Kyoto Inferno live action movie. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so they're sulking after taking that L. Um, the Himura's base people, right? Yes, because since they ran and fled, they are now looked as rebels towards the uh, the emperor instead of staying there to fight to the death. Yeah, yeah. So, at this point, you know, it kind of cuts back to him sleeping. He always sleeps sitting up with his sword. Mm -hmm. Again, I still can't make sense of it, but he has the door wide open to his room. So, creepy honeypot kind of waddles on in there and tries to cover him with a blanket. And at that point, he almost fucking killed her. Yeah, he almost (laughs) beheaded her, yeah. But then he goes on to, and again, there's no development into this relationship at all. Not even like a quick montage of any sort, Mm -hmm. but basically telling her that he would never hurt her, that he wouldn't do anything to hurt her at all. He would not kill her. And at that point, we noticed he was catching feelings. Yeah, basically, basically. Um, So, you know, kind of now it's kind of time to uh, go to a safe house, right? So now they're trying to regather their bearings and figure out what they got to do to strategize for the future before they the police just 
you know, totally obliterate the organization, the rebel, the rebellion, basically, right? Or if the Emperor faction decides to call them back and they can be ready at arms. Yeah, yeah. So, so right now they kind of just have to kind of disperse, lay low, figure out what's going to happen. So the boss ends up telling the honeypot to go with him and go live in a fucking uh, outskirts of the town, basically, yes. in, the, in the little countryside, right? Um, another one of those moments where he kind of gives her, like, you know, shut the fuck up look. <laughs> they kind of show up there. She's like, the earth smells really good. And again, no dialogue. He just, like, turns around and, like, scowls at her. <laughs> like, the fuck did you just say? Yeah, pretty much. So they start farming. And you had no idea about the vegetable. I had no <laughs> That was funny. You didn't know what it was either. You had to Google it. I told it. you it was a radish. You had to I Google had to confirm it. it was a radish for you. You spent 10 minutes on that. <laughs> That's because I was looking at other videos and shit. All right, Manny. You, you failed as a gardener. <laughs> But anyways, uh, so at this point, they kind of just, it's its like a long montage of them farming and living, and she's able to cover him with a blanket without getting a sword to her throat now. <laughs> and that is basically where its it becomes his downfall, that he's going soft. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, they get their first visitor, basically, from uh, from the faction, right? Yes. And he's basically giving them an update on what's going on, what's happening, um, something about four suicides. And oh, so um, the Shogun basically accepted people to surrender, but in order for them to surrender, they had to commit seppuku. That's suicide. Uh, do you know what seppuku is? Yeah. Be beheaded, and or no, so you the 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 ritual is basically you would you would sit on your knees, and you would take a small dagger, stick it in your stomach, disembowel yourself, and then allow the executioner to behead you. So that was the whole suicide thing that they were talking about. Correct. So <clears throat> he basically tells him he gives him some supplies and says you're going to be an herbalist now. So. At this point, he'd be able to kind of leave that little house for a bit and go, I guess, I'm assuming that it was supposed to be for some kind of recon. They don't really, I mean, it doesn't really change much in the story or affect the story, mm -hmm. but I'm assuming the intent was so that he can get out of that area into town and recon a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but after he's done with his visit, he kind of drifts off and it's kind of exposed that he's actually working for somebody else. He's kind of like backstabbing them and setting them up. Yeah, so we later find out that he's actually the traitor. Correct. And um, after that happens, it's like the part where he finally, finally lays some pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, oh, I guess we should have mentioned this earlier, but... When the boss told Honeypot to go live with them and pretend to be a couple, like while they're laying low, he got emotional. Well, he didn't show emotions, but he said emotions about making it real, not just faking being a couple. Yes, he did. But he did, he did a pronounce the that. whole montage of them living together. He still kind of sat, slept sitting up like a paranoid person, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
Old habits die hard. Yeah, yeah, apparently, apparently. So at this point, this is the this is the part where they finally consummate their love. I'm being I'm being nice. nice. <laughs> um so cut scene, we're going into uh winter now, right? It's mm-hmm. getting into December. Again, it kind of goes back into like she's always writing in her diary, right? That's kind of like it's always flashbacks, her diary. That's kind of one of the major cut scenes that they always show. <clears throat> So it shows her kind of grabbing the blade. I get excited and say, I fucking knew it. <laughs> and you thought she was going to stab him in his sleep. I thought she was going to stab him in his sleep. Yep. 100%. <laughs> but then we find out that Traveler that was the traitor, they were working together. And that they hired a secret group of assassins to kill Himura Batosai. Correct. As an act of revenge. She was a honeypot from the beginning. Yes. And the reason why is that the guy that he he Batosai killed, the one that came up three times instead of just laying low, was actually her fiance. Correct. The one that left the scar on his cheek. Yes. So obviously that that was uh, when she left... She actually left to the trader base. And at that same moment, the guy that was uh, also basically backstabbing the guy, but he was from the faction with him, mm-hmm. he kind of showed up to uh, to tell... Um, Kimura Batosai. There you go. That the girl was actually the honeypot trader. Mm-hmm. And he opens up her diary to show him, you know, basically the entries of that he's the one that killed her fiance. you right. He, he didn't read that part, but he, or he did. He did. He, okay. he basically said, you know, your fiance that you killed, she's, she's the one that, you know, you actually killed her fiance. That's why she joined up with us to get revenge on you. Yes. So he told him that he showed her specific pages on the, on the diary. Well, he about, didn't say us because he didn't still didn't want to make it look like he was also with them. Right. My bad. Yes. So he was basically exposing her to kind of crush his morale. Yes, because he pretty much just became very soft in his uh, fighting combat skills. Well, he fell in love. Yeah. Yeah, he fell in love. So they figured if but they couldn't find a weakness, they create one. This was also more of a heavy blow towards his morale, just as you said right now, after becoming soft as well, that would affect his combat skills to fight off the, the assassins. Yeah. So these next couple scenes are the best scenes from the movie, and they went by too fast. Way too fast. (laughs) So it was kind of like a very, very speedy shots. The snow fight, I think we went through like three assassins. The first assassin had like traps galore (laughs) and a bow and arrow. He did, and he had traps laid out just in case he rolled over to a certain point, just ready, like he was like already one step ahead of that next trap. Absolutely. So it it was actually a really great scene. This was the best part of the movie. If they would have stuck a little bit more to that and less trying to be dramatic, they would have done way better. Mm -hmm. But it went through that one. Then it went through another tag team of these two other guys. And, you know, he ends up defying the odds, got hurt along the way, but pretty much killed all of them. 
Yes. The last uh, tag team did pull a bomb to blind him, though. Yes. Um, in the anime, though, he was actually blinded by blood in his eyes. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, when I was watching it, because I didn't know that it was a blinding thing, I just saw the exp- the guy go, now you're, now we got you, and he pulls this thing for the explosion. And it looks so funny because, I, again, I didn't know about the eye-blinding factor of it. Yes. I just thought it was going to be supposedly like a suicide bomb explosion. But the explosion on the movie was super isolated to just that guy. <laughs> so I busted up laughing going like, that was fucking pointless. <laughs> so I was like, at a point, I was like, that was actually a smoke bomb. Yeah, you pointed it out. No, no, this is where he gets blinded. I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Could have let me live in my happiness for a little bit. If anything, you were complaining. What happiness? It was funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> so now it comes to the main boss of that traitor group or whatever, right? Yes. I'm not really sure what side of the faction they have. They, they're part of the Shogun. They faction. are part of the Shogun. Yes. Okay. So... He comes out to finish the job, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Because they, the explosions were actually signals to know to let him know that they failed. They failed. Yeah. So this last fight scene was really, really, and I get again. I know it's supposed to be dramatic, but it was slow and it was slow because he wanted to taunt him before taunt him, him without letting him know his location. Because now he uh, he says he's trying to focus. With his hearing, not with his vision. Yeah, but I mean, it just wasn't exciting to watch. I know, I know. I'm just trying to I, point out the small details of what we're seeing right there. Yeah, yeah. So they have a very slow fight. It's not super exciting or anything. I, at least I didn't write down anything notes that was really worthy of comment. But it gets to the point where it's kind of like the last move they're going to do. The guy's about to get defeat him, right? The the Shogun guy's about to defeat feed our main character, our protagonist. Himorabatosai. And then Honeypot actually comes in to save him. Saves him by delaying the dude's attack while allowing Batosai to land the final attack, regardless of knowing that she was going to get killed in the process. Correct. So he ends up slicing both of them. Mm-hmm. Now, he slices both of them and unfortunately kills her in the process. Uh, he does do a final cut on his cheek to cross his, well, she her does. ex. She does. Yeah, the, her ex fiancés. So that's kind of the uh, iconic facial feature from the anime. We all remember. Yes. And <clears throat> and then it kind of cuts back. You know, there is some emotional lovey stuff that just, again, I didn't think they did a very good job on it, so I'm skipping it. <laughs> 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 but they're back at the house. Boss is telling him, hey, we just got to, like, chill for a bit, right? And we now know that the guy, this guy was actually the traitor. Yeah, they're going to hunt him down. And we already sent out another assassin to go handle him that can take your place. And I can already hint which assassin they're talking about, and it does involve the other live-action movies and the anime of what the possible, what the possible assassin could be. Yeah. So after this, he still has her... Um, her body in the in the house. Yes, and he ends up burning the house down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that. Like you just says, like like 
this this will just really leave this bitch just literally dead. i was typing as that was happening i was as he got up to turn around because he's like i gotta go now and then he gets up to turn around i'm like this guy really just left her to rot in the house <laughs> and then you look down at your phone and i point it's like tony you sure about that you look up the house is on fire still kind of disrespectful but <laughs> but anyways um Next, next cutscene. It kind of fast forwards to the future where they're having a a battle. I guess it's the, supposed the, to be the last final battle, right? The last final battle between the Shogun faction and the Emperor faction. Yeah, which was a pretty decent scene. It looked entertaining, and he finally, towards the end, kind of stabs his sword in the ground and uh, walks away. Walks away, and that's his symbol of saying that he's no longer going to be killing. He will no longer kill again. Yeah, and and as we know, for anybody that. Because, again, I do remember that from the anime is that he had a weird sword that was blunt. It was, like, reversed. It was reversed. The curved part was blunt while the back part was the blade. So anytime he would swing, uh, it would just be blunt force trauma. Exactly. So that was one of the big things I remember from the anime. So that's kind of where that came from because the the whole dilemma was that as soon as the uh, the faction, you know, defeated the Shogun was that he was going to put it up to rest and he wasn't going to kill no more. Mm-hmm. And thus where that reverse sword was born in the anime. Yes, as he became the wanderer named Rooney Kenshin. Correct, correct. So, I think for the most part, if they would have had more action, I would have enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of sums up the uh, the live action movie. Yeah, like I said, it's more of like a mellow tragedy. That, and you know what, I think... Even though it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes when they do a prequel, it's nice to start at the prequel and kind of get it in order. Yes. I think this is one that you would want to watch the other movies first. Just because I feel like to really appreciate it, you kind of have to already be involved in the lore enough to be more intrigued by the story because there's a lot less action. I do understand where you're coming from. You know, you know yes. what I mean? So even though I had a little bit of like touch on this from the little bit of the anime that I saw, and I remember seeing from freaking years ago, you know? Perfect example would be uh, Fate Zero. Fate Zero. Okay. I, watched, I watched Fate Stay Night first because that, it was an older anime that came out first and everything. And I did enjoy the character Saber and the other characters. But then once Fate Zero came out and it showed how everything started back then with to the characters now in Fate Stay Night, I appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that's kind of more where this came from because as I was watching it, it, it just didn't have me invested enough to where mm-hmm. I know it's, it's not supposed to be a funny movie. It's supposed to be serious, but I had a lot of sarcastic notes. <laughs> 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 so I think for this one you kind of have to be a little bit invested in the lore before mm-hmm. getting into this one. So even though it's a prequel where it's kind of nice to start at the beginning of the story and go, you know, in a timeline, mm-hmm. maybe start with the other ones. Yes. If, if, may, you're, yeah. if you're even interested in the live action yes. at all. Or go with the anime. Yeah, I enjoy the anime a the lot more. Good, yes. Yeah, I, I, after we watched the movie, just before recording this, we were watching uh, some of the anime episodes. Now, if anybody's also interested in seeing this OVA anime, uh, there are also different different OVA animes for Rooney Kenshin. So if you're interested, give us a message and we can direct you to, to the correct one. Yeah, if you want, uh, put it on an Instagram story, Manny. Okay. And post it up Wednesday or Thursday or something. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, we ran a little bit long, but uh, let us know if you guys prefer the long form reviews or some of our old school short reviews. Because I think our old school ones was just mostly, did you enjoy it and how would you rate it? And analytics, but without the spoilers. Yeah, this 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 version we're trying out is a little bit more long form where we have the spoilers and discuss the whole thing. It might be a bit hard on the full seasons of stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh we'll try to do if if you know we get some feedback and if you guys like it, let us know. And maybe we'll do a little bit more long form. Maybe not as much detail for the full seasons, yes. but just more long form kind of reviews on them. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I'll try not to be too sarcastic in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll wait, send you my well, notes, Manny, when we're done with this so you can see them. <laughs> I do want to see your notes. I okay. do want to see your notes. Um, I mean, I pretty much didn't need to have to take notes. I've already seen the OVA, so with this movie, I already knew pretty much what I was going to see. There was some scenes from the anime that I definitely wish that were shown because they kind of hints, they kind of gave more hints and more dramatic effect to it. But I guess they just didn't show it. Um, but for anybody that's interested, we will be more sarcastic probably with our next review, and that is going to be Scissor Seven. Scissor Seven, get excited! All right, well, Manny, with that little tease, why don't we call this an episode? Definitely. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Unaccepted Pod, and we do have a website, unacceptedpod.com. And be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Share it with a friend. And if you have any questions, want to contact us, you can email us at unacceptedpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see everybody next Wednesday. Adios.